I think as a smaller creator, you need to focus on putting content out to get the data. Because if you're spending a week looking at data before you make your next piece of content, you're already losing momentum. All right, Frederico, this week we're back with part two with our chat with Trent Hare from TVNR. If you didn't hear part one, go back and listen to that first because we're picking it up where we left off. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. So you guys, um, let's get back on on the journey. So you guys sort of, you know, Jimmy's come by and, and sort of light bulbs have popped and you're, you're a, a, content man, a content manager or type role or something. Mm-hmm. And then yeah. thinking about this, like a light version of yourself, like so, then did you start going deeper into this, and and what did you, what did you guys implement when this light bulb went off? I guess the biggest thing that we implemented was just video breakdowns for every single video. Back then, there wasn't real time data, so you had to wait three days to get any kind of statistics on your video. And so, I think the biggest thing that any creator at any size can do is start setting baselines for what your videos do on average, because you don't. You could say like smaller channels, for example, we launched um, Preston's sister has her own real life channel now where she has like smaller challenges with her, her boyfriend or like using Preston for a bit or two. Um, and her CTR, you know, can be a lot higher than ours, but she's getting a fraction of the impressions. And so it's knowing where you are in context and not just in context for other channels across the platform, but you need your own personal context before you can grow because YouTube isn't about YouTube isn't about competing with other channels in your topic. It's about competing against yourself in your previous video uh, because there are enough views on the, on the platform. Like you're not Jimmy posting being buried alive for 50 hours. And if we were to post a buried alive video, we would probably still get millions of views. Like it's not, it, Jimmy didn't steal all the views for it. There are still plenty of people that are willing to watch that content. Otherwise there'd be a single Minecraft creator. Like what, that doesn't make any sense. Um, so I would definitely say the things we put in place were checking checking videos daily, making sure we had those baselines to go against, and then also trying to learn and teach ourselves what we could do to affect those numbers. So learning that CTR is basically looking at your title and your thumbnail and being like, okay, well, what's a good title? What's a good thumbnail? How do we break this down? Let's talk to other creators in the space that we think are doing it well. Let's look at them. Let's emulate what they do. What are they doing right? What are they doing differently? For us, it was looking at, once we pivoted to real life, it was looking at Jimmy's channel and being like, wow, his thumbnails are very clear, very simple, and you understand what's going on. Also, it helps that he's giving away $100,000 in every video, and that's great, and people are, that's very interesting, and people are going to click that. We don't ever plan on competing with Jimmy on that level, but what can we do to make ours just as interesting for our audience, and what is it that makes it interesting? Um, in the same way with AVD and retention, is what are we doing to keep people in each video has gotten to the point where we were just kind of looking and kind of thinking through a rough structure. And now we're at the point where outlines literally have two columns of why are people watching this scene and why are people waiting till the next one? And why do people care? You know, we have, we answer that question for every single scene on our real life videos. So that's what, that's the level that we go to. Obviously we're psychotic about it and we're, (laughs) we're at the, near the pinnacle, like we're nowhere near the best YouTuber and nowhere near the best creator, but we, it's something that we take seriously. And so I think that's the level that people need to realize is that YouTubers that have 500,000, a million subscribers, while that's fantastic, you're probably still not thinking about it the same way that Jimmy and his team is. Hmm. So can you, can you just go back? What, what were those three things again? So this, this, like you sort of brushed over them. I think they were really important to like 
um, pause on and just like, I'm sure it, like I'll save everyone skipping back, but like, um, so we look at click through rate. So looking at how many people are clicking on an impression An impression is anytime your video shows up anywhere on the YouTube watch page. So whether it's in suggested to the side of a video or the homepage or on trending, I hate trending. Don't even get me started on it. I won't go there. We can save that for another podcast. Um, we, that's an impression and how many people click on it is the ratio. And so that's the click through rate. And so basically it's a measure of how interesting and enticing is your video for people to even want to begin watching it. Um, because before you can even worry about retention, you have to get them to click into the video first. Um, you could have the best content on the face of the planet. And if people aren't interested in watching it, it won't matter in the least, but, um, and then, Unpacking AVD and retention, so average view duration, and then retention is just another word for average view percentage, whichever way you want to call it. Usually on your graph, you have the AVD, which is the time number, and then the percentage, which is how far into the video on, an, on average people were before they clicked out. Um, so AVD is looking at your watch time, how long are they sticking around, um, and then to balance that, because if that was the only measurement, then everyone would be posting four-hour videos. Um, but YouTube has the retention and the percentage to see like, hey, People on average are completing this video 65%, but this other video of a similar length, people are only completing 35%. This one must be more satisfying in this niche topic. So that's really what we're looking at. Those are the three main ones. You can look, the YouTube studio has, it's great. It's a blessing and a curse. I'll say that there are so many different numbers you can look at and things to worry about. And if I posted at 3.07 PM instead of 3.05, then I must have like, that must be the only reason this video is failing. Um, but it's really just looking at the, like simplify it and only look at those three and optimize those. And I think you're going to see more growth than you would on any other analytic or stat that you could, you could look at. One thing you said as well was about, you know, looking at every scene and seeing the value of that scene and mm -hmm. thinking like, you know, why do people care? And I think it, it was such a good point because so many people just like, Oh, I've got a you know, 10 minute video to make and I'm just going to make that video. They don't think about all the beats and the tempo and what is going into each of those scenes. Yeah, for sure. And I think that that's something we can still do better. It's something we're just now starting to dive more into. Uh, we always had loose structures and roughly delivering on title thumbnails, and this is kind of how we're doing it. Um, but really, it needs to be that specific and that intense on understanding why someone sticks around from every single second, every single frame. Um, and is that like... That's, is that, that's kind of the next level sort of thinking of a, of a, of a mega channel or of a mega channels or group right like is is that is that one of those things that you can attribute to going from you know preston and editors and small team to preston and team of unknown number of up to 30 to 40 <laughs> people and you know multiple different channels is, is it that type of focus on the on the the detail of the content like a one of those things that you could say like that that's a, a, a game changer for you guys? Yeah, I would say so. I think it's the attention to detail, um, you know, and knowing, like having people who are specialized in all of this stuff, because obviously if any of our content strategists or creatives or anyone writing an outline, they can ask me those questions. And listen, I, I could write an outline. I'm not the most creative person. There's a reason I'm on the data and analytics side. Um, you know, I have a film degree. I love creativity, but as far as coming up with the wacky stuff that we do in all of our real life videos, even though it's based on data, it still takes that muscle and that, that side of the brain. And then on the same time, like the editors that we have now could probably edit circles around me because they, 
they're on the level that we're working on. And like you see the graphics and the music and, you know, the transitions and everything else that they're putting in there is the reason they can do that is because we're paying attention to our AVD and retention and how we, how we can do that. And we can only do that by having this incredible team around us to, to pull off all the details to the maximum capabilities. And can I ask with the, with the, I mean, obviously like in that strategy space, you know, you're looking at things like data and, and retention, and then you've got the creative team coming up with ideas. How do you marry that together? Like if they come up with an idea that's like really great, but you just look at it and go, you know, I just don't think we're going to get the retention from this. Like, you know, these are good ideas, but well, I, it's just not going to fit. How do you make those decisions? Is like, is there a formula used for that? Or is it just a feel or is it actually based on data? I mean, there's some, there's some data to it. It's a little bit of a feel, but I would say most of our decisions are data driven. And really it comes down to, it's not even necessarily data. It's looking at an idea. Um, I'm trying to think of one off the top of my head and I can't, but there have been so many creative pitches where like, that is a really cool idea. What does the video look like? And everyone just kind of stops and looks at each other. And we're just like, okay, so that can't be a video <laughs> because you can't, if you're, if someone's pitching an idea and you can kind of workshop it a little bit and try to massage it and try to get it where it needs to be. But if content isn't jumping out at us, typically we move on past it because there's probably a better idea that that can be. And so we're not, it's a lot of teaching people like, okay, cool. Like that's a great idea. Give me, give me 10 scenes that will give us 15 minutes of edited content. And then they, mm. if they, they just kind of stare at you for a little bit, if there's no way to get content, um, usable content, usable content defined as something that the editors will actually use and delivers on the title thumbnail, then we, we move past it just because we can't, if there's no content there as cool as it might be, and it might be the sickest title thumbnail we've ever heard of, but we can't actually get people to watch it or there isn't enough content to even make it worthwhile, then we just have to move past it. Cool. And look, before we sort of move back onto the journey, I do want to ask a question about, um, you know, analytics and, and data because people sure. do put a lot of data into it because it's something they can see it's directly in front of them. They're like, Oh, these are, you know, these wonderful data. What, Sorry, I'm going to go back to the American way. Data. There's wonderful data there. And it's, it's really, they, they put a lot of value into that. But like how much value can most channels get out of it? Like you are a big channel, so you obviously have a ton of data. But there are you know, yep. creators who are a few thousand subscribers, and they put a ton of focus into the data. But how important is it really? For us, it's vital. Um, for smaller creators, I think it's still vital, and you still need the reps. I think as a smaller creator, you need to focus on putting content out to get the data. Because if you're spending a week looking at data before you make your next piece of content, you're already losing momentum. Just pick your niche. You know what you want to do. Ideally, if you're starting in this space, um, at least a rough idea, throw 30 videos a month and then see what sticks and then build from that. Don't just post one piece, look at this, post another piece. Like the, we, we're able to look at data successfully because we have a backlog of literally 5,000 videos that we're, that we're looking at at any given time. Uh, so if, for creators that are starting out, like pick a niche, pick what you want to do, post a video every single day for a month and see if anything sticks and you're always going to get better with each repetition and then optimize from there. Don't just, don't sweat the details at the start. You have to, you have to build something first before you can start analyzing it. All right, so you were the content manager. Uh, things are, you know, going full steam ahead. And then, what's the next step? You then go directly into strategist. What happens after that? Once we transition the Minecraft channel to real life, and then launch the the replacement Minecraft channel, because obviously at that time we had 
9 million subscribers on that channel. We're like, mm, goodbye Minecraft. Uh, so they needed to have a place to go. Um, but once we transitioned to real life and then um, launched the other channels and then I'm diving in more to it, it really became... I just approached press and I didn't know what to call myself because like my job doesn't exist. I think there are five of me in the entire planet. Um, and like, I didn't really know what to call myself coming from the traditional production space. I'm like in my head of production, like I'm not really producing anything. So I kind of just kind of brought on that title, but I needed something other than content manager to reach out to other creators in the space. Cause it's like, Hey, I'm Preston's content manager. And it's like, Oh, left on red. So it's very tough to, I just needed really, I just needed a title to help flex on people. Um, <laughs> so I just asked Preston, I was like, dude, can I have head of production? Just, I just need something that it fits to an extent. And back then where team was still only myself, Levi, I think we had one other editor named Ryan and then Nick Barberi. And so we're just running, gunning, just, it's just us. So, I mean, head of production is still technically true. Uh, it's not, it's not a title that <laughs> I probably deserved at the time. Um, but it was one that was, that was needed. And so from that, that's kind of what I stuck with for a while until we built an actual production team. And now that we have a heads and directors of actual IRL production, they now have the title. And so I needed something that fit a little bit more with what I do and strategist and strategy was starting to become a little bit more mainstream and understood. And so, that's kind of where I landed on that title. Yeah, cool. But, um, we've mentioned the IRL channel and the pivot to that, going from like, mm -hmm. you know, game-based content to real life. What was there something that drove that? Was that just a like a creative decision? Was that a strategic decision? What 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 sort of sparked that? Yeah, for sure. I think it was. <clears throat> I think it was a little bit of both because I think we had started seeing a little bit more of real life challenge channels starting to do something in the space as opposed to before that it was primarily all vlogs and by all vlogs i mean just casey neistat um so really that's what big fan of the show too. shout out uh, to casey is he yeah is he yes. my man oh, yeah. my man i love all these people dude i, love I know them. they're good dude he's a big fan he's a big fan bro <laughs> yeah um trust trust but we <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so we saw that and we saw this, the, the trend across the platform and it was actually brought up to us by, by Reed with my media as well of, Hey, y'all should consider doing this. Cause it's also a lot easier to sell brand deals to a face as opposed to selling it on top of third party IP like Minecraft. Um, so it was going to be a fun transition, something that fits Preston and gets to show off his personality a bit more. Um, so it was the best of both worlds. Really? I think primarily, if Preston would have hated every second of it, we would not have switched. We're not just going to switch for brand money. Like that's just not who we are as a company. Like Preston's not going to grind himself to the dirt for brand money at the end of the day. Love all the brands we work with. Shout out to all of them. Um, but if we wouldn't have had fun doing the content, then we wouldn't have made that pivot. Um, and truly believe that our fans would grow to love it as well because we, we know they we knew that they loved Preston. We knew that they would get value from seeing him in a little bit of a different light and different space and then still maintaining and making sure that we had the Minecraft stuff up and running on other channels as well. So we weren't just leaving 9 million people hanging out to dry. Yeah, that's interesting. And so with that IRL sort of pivot, obviously that, that changes the way you produce content, but that also clearly did hit a mark. Like audiences were and still are right into that, right? Like that, did that mm -hmm. start things going from like a really strong 
channel to kind of stratospheric esque. Like you, you know, nine million subscribers isn't anything to sneeze at, but that IRL channel has really gone ballistic quite quickly. Is that? Yeah, I would. I would definitely say it helped out a ton. It helps a lot being able to have a personality in someone that someone can follow. So I definitely think having Preston more out there, obviously him getting married and us being able to launch something for Brianna as well. And they get to follow along with that aspect when they're in each other's videos. Um, I think it definitely, it definitely helped. We were blessed, lucky, have the best fans in the world that whenever we made the transition, it wasn't like this big, long lag period of subscriber burn and building up the new audience. A lot of them just hopped on board right away and they were, they were down. Obviously there were tons of comments with where's Minecraft. And then that's on us to reply to every comment of linking them to the new channel. But, um, Really, it was it was a relatively seamless transition, and then it was it's just taken off from there. I think people just people gravitate towards Preston. He has you know he has that personality um, that people want to watch and want to have fun with, and then um, being able to see him do all these crazy things that they've always wanted to do as kids, whether it's building an underwater Lego house or playing hide and seek with a SWAT team or whatever else we do on the channel. It's something that you know there. It's a lot more people are going to watch that stuff than they would watch Minecraft necessarily. Yeah, totally. You mentioned obviously the IRL stuff um, had a, a linkage to to brands, and you men- mentioned Reed from Night Media. We'll come back back to that, but just in the in sure. the brand deal stuff. I mean, that uh, an area a lot of creators are sort of still struggle with, mystified with. And obviously, once you get to a very big channel, brand deals are coming at you faster than you could probably even read them, but. <laughs> How did how did that change for you guys from early on? Like, was that something that was part of your mix or consideration um, back in those early days with you, Preston, and then the shift when when you started doing IRL content? Um, I would say, I mean, they were definitely around. We we pivoted really before brand flow was big on any YouTube channel. It was still relatively new to the space, so. Um, I mean, we had brand deals here and there. It was more of Preston doing a few talking points and us chopping it down to the required 30 seconds and throwing it on there. Um, That's about the extent of all brands. That's all they were back then. That's all a lot of brands are now. Um, But being able, the transition to real life turned into definitely more brands were coming at us um, because they had a face and a personality and someone who connected with their audience in a very real way. Um, So it would go from... I don't know if I can attribute this to just real life or just the advertising and digital marketing catching up to YouTube a bit more. Um, but there is January is typically a slow, um, a slower month because everyone's blown their advertising budget in Q4. Um, and there was a January where it felt like we had two deliverables a week for the entire month. I think we did, we, we did a lot of brand deals one January once we transitioned to real life and it was, it was insane, but it was it was the good kind of insane. The one where you sleep for three days afterwards, but you're glad you did it. So, <laughs> and what so what do those brand deals look like? I mean, you, you know, you don't have to talk dollars, but like, what sort of what's the relationship and what's the content and what are you like? How are you delivering both value for the brand, but obviously not alienating your audience? I think the way we approach brands. Um, is what sets us apart because I feel like a lot of creators and a lot of brands fall in the, into this. Um, pro- I, can, I guess I'll call it a mistake of looking at it as purely transactional, of looking at, hey, 
we're going to pay you. We're going to give you these talking points. And you're like, okay, I'll take your money and I'll read these talking points and I'll slap them on this video that I already have going up. So that's fine. We'll just do this and call it done. And, you know, we'll be on about our lives. But we look at brands from a more a more long-term approach, really. Whether, even if the, the scope of the brand deal is just for one video, we're making sure that one we assume every single brand, even if we've worked with them before, we treat them like it's their first time on the platform and we want them to have, you know, the best experience they could possibly have working with a creator because there are plenty of creators who probably turn brands off of advertising with, uh, with influencers and creators in general. So um, I would say like the way we bring value to brands is obviously we have our audience and we have our, our fans that are, are loyal and watching our content. And so we well, that's the base level of delivering on value for brands, really what we do in order to bring brands the most value is actually bring our audience value because of the brand. So we're looking at how we can integrate the brand with, with our content the most natural way, the most organic way, because that's ultimately what's not going to alienate the audience. And if the audience isn't alienated and they're down to sit there and watch it, then obviously that's going to drive value to the brand. So I think, uh, I mean, a good example of this is, I mean, we worked with Hot Pockets for three years. Um, big shout out to Hot Pockets, 100% real cheese. I love that talking point. Um, you know, and like just seeing, even just working with them over the course of two to three years, seeing them evolve in their digital strategy and how they work with creators was massive from being, you know, the very traditional company that has, you know, you hit these talking points and there is no deviation to, hey guys, what video are you doing this on? You want to do that? All right, cool. And that's what it evolved into. And you, you earn that trust by bringing them value. It's not just brands need to trust me because I'm the creative and I know my audience. And it's like, that's, that's great and wonderful. The brands have a bottom line and a massive reputation to uphold and they're in the position to pay you for a reason. So making sure that we all, you always give brands the respect that, they, that they're due as well. Um, and they're in the position that they are for a reason. And you can probably learn a thing or two about how to build a brand from these agencies and from these brands, just seeing how they communicate and what they're thinking about and how they go about their jobs as well can be incredibly insightful, even if you're not having dedicated conversations about it, just being able to be a fly on the wall in these meetings or have these conversations has been, um, has been super insightful for me as well. So does that answer your question? Is there any, anything follow up on that? I don't know. I think so. I think it's was, it was really good. <laughs> I mean, I, I think I, like, I like to pepper this with like, and I, you know, I always like to um, address like if anyone's listening is like, yeah, but they've got 16 million subscribers on one channel alone um sure so like how do we how do we take that back to how do we practically take take that and distill it down to like if you're a smaller creator wanting to work with brands what like how do you take that advice from the, the best in the business almost and and apply it to your own your own channel and your own relationships sure i think for smaller creators i think it's about being one of the best creators to work with on on your level so if you make the biggest thing that we do even if the brand is throwing the entire book at us and it's an absolute nightmare to work with them and everything else which that happens but it's one of those things like they're never going to know that and we're going to be the best people to work with and we're going to do everything we can to to please the brand um and so i think even i think that applies at any level of scale is there's a certain level of respect and a certain level of you know ability to deliver. And I think if you're always the, if you're always driving value and you're always respectful and you're easy to work with, you're going to set yourself apart from 90% of the creators out there who aren't that because so many creators are, you know, the people who ignore emails, don't read the creative brief, 
don't, you, just check the boxes on a brain deal and you're going to set yourself apart from 95% of the creators on the platform. Um, you know, we still have to sit in two-hour creative briefs where they read through a document that they've already sent us and we've already looked it over, but they have to do that because from their perspective, they've had so many times and experiences where other creators have no clue and if they wouldn't have walked them through the entire 17-page presentation, the creators wouldn't have known and they would have completely botched it and they would be behind on timelines and everything else. So you have to keep in mind that, you know, like, yes, like we... We've already been through this document. We, we know what's in here, but we're going to sit here through this and we're going to ask questions and clarify and make sure that everyone's on the same page so that everyone feels good about it moving forward. And it needs to be more of, more move more towards the collaboration as opposed to the transaction. I love that. But yeah, collaboration as opposed to the transaction. And I'm assuming you guys have never ghosted a brand then once you've started to work with them. No. Um, no. <laughs> which is... All too common, unfortunately. Hey, um, I did say we'd come back to it, but you, you mentioned Reed uh, and Night Media a couple of times, like uh, introducing, you know, Jimmy to come come by, but also um, mentioning about like suggesting IRL content. So maybe for those who don't know who Reed or what Night Media is, maybe like a, we should probably cover that off. Yeah, and, and I'm down. I'm down to give my dad a shout out. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so uh, his name is Reed. I don't know how to pronounce his last name. To be honest, I think it's Dusher. I think it's how you pronounce it. Um, he, I'm going to send him this clip and be like, yo, did I do this right? And he's just going to roast me another ground. It'll be fine. Can we, all, um, can we all butcher it just so that you're not left alone? Can I just... just, just sure, for sure. Fun, yeah, 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 go for it. Go for it. Because then you can send him the clip and be like, Reed, do snare. <laughs> there you go. We can't let Trent, that, Trent hang, I, we can't hang Trent out to dry. <laughs> that's know. fine. That's not how it's we fine. roll. I'll take it. I'll I, take I, it. I, I, think, I think we're nearly there with it. So okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right, Trent. Um, I've got your back. No, so I've got your back, brother. I appreciate right. it. I appreciate it. The real ones know. Um, but we, so Reed founded Night Media, who is, um, they represent the largest creators on the planet as a um, talent management, but also... Um, a partner in entrepreneurial ventures, essentially. Um, so I think what sets Night Media apart, they represent um, Preston, Bree, Mr. Beast, Unspeakable, Typical Gamer, uh, Matt Stoney, the, any, basically any top-level creator that you can think of in a bunch of different verticals, they probably represent them. Um, and so they help us with brand flow, but in addition to that, any new business ventures, i.e., Beast Burger for Mr. Beast was from them, um, and they assist with anything along those lines. And so Reed is the founder, um, CEO, president is Ezra Cooperstein, who comes from the MCN world, um, absolute legend, and then a, a whole host of other people that I would love to take the time to mention, but they all know that I love them. So um, it's just a it's just a crazy team. Yeah, cool. And so, like before that, were you guys involved with managers or? management team or MCNs or anything like that? If we were, it was because I became, I moved into content management about the time Reed was coming to the picture and founding Night Media. So pre, pre that, I'm not 100%. I know we were with um, a company called Omnia for a while. Um, we might have had some brand flow with them. I really don't, I don't know the extent of it, to be honest. I'm not super familiar with with what that was pre, I was too I was too busy in the edits to to look yep. up and see that. So, and so, what was that like when like to read 
knocking on the door? Is that something you guys are looking for? Like, how does that work? I think Reed had just moved to, he had just moved to the area um, um, from his, from his story. Like obviously his background is a professional sports agent, namely NFL agent represented some big names and big clients and then discovered dude perfect. And was like, wait, what's going on here? You could probably do something with brands and then, um, help them. I think he helped them land one of the first brand deals on the platform with Callaway golf. Um, and so saw that and saw the opportunity and decided to start up his business and then moved down to the Dallas area where dude perfect is as well. Um, I don't think it ultimately panned out with them. I'm not sure of the details, but regardless, he met Preston and they, they hit it off and, you know, he got to know Preston and Preston taught him. I think he saw the same thing in Preston that I did whenever I first started of, He's not just making YouTube videos or something deeper here. And with Reed's, you know, he has his master's in business administration. I don't, he has, he has his master's. He knows the deal. Like he knows what's going on. And so he definitely saw, he knew the brand flow and knew the agency and representation side, but also saw the bigger picture of um, the businesses that creators are going to bring and knowing that they're going to be full on companies themselves and not just, they're not just making videos on YouTube. They're building something much larger. Um, so I think Preston showed him, showed him and it kind of opened his eyes to that as well. Yeah. And shout out awesome podcast creator economics as well. So absolutely all about absolutely. exactly what Trent just talked about, what we spend a lot of time talking yep. about as well. So yeah, which, so he's giving back, helping creators grow and sharing that story. Um, Frederico, you got anything on, on? Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm just, it's interesting. Obviously you've, you've grown, um, you know, you've got bigger, bigger team representation, um, I guess the the thing is like you know what's next for a for a network of your size. I think the biggest focus for us right now is sustainability and making sure that we're around for the long haul. Like Preston and Bree are both upper twenties, so you know they're married. They may want kids sometime soon. Hopefully not for another like twenty five years or so. Uh, but you know we're looking at sustainability and how we can optimize and better automate what we currently have, as well as further expanding our network of channels and what we're running and then trying to figure out what that looks like. If Preston Brianna's time is completely tapped on bandwidth or they want to step away, like how do we continue to grow the company on top of that? So that's really what's, mm-hmm. what's next for us is looking at what's beyond Preston and Brie and seeing what, what goes on there. And for, I guess you've got a, a an age group or a demographic that had, obviously they, they can be quite young. Um, and often, and often at that age, they'll transition out of one type of content and move into something else they like. So you've got a, you know, you got you got a lot of transition in your audience. So do you have to always stay fresh for a new audience or do you try and follow that audience along a little bit more? Um, I think we've done a good job of setting up our channels to catch them as they move through the process. Um, mm. So we have, we have Roblox channels that catch them very young. Um, from that, they typically graduate to Minecraft. Um, then Minecraft usually would split off to, to Fortnite or, you know, Fortnite's kind of dying off. So TBNR Frags is on a bit of a hiatus for right now. Um, but, you know, they transition from that to our real life content. And then once they age past that, we're usually not trying to target that much of an older audience, like older high school, college, you know, that's really not our lane. Um, we could probably do a better job of attempting to capture them, but I feel like we can do that more on our real life content and optimizing it to be more generally appealing as opposed to younger appealing audiences. We always, like our goal internally is we make family friendly content. And what we mean by family friendly is not not just like really young kids um, and not just COPA compliant kids, um, <laughs> but also we want something that 
parents feel comfortable and know they can leave on the TV, but also don't mind leaving on the TV and don't hate themselves for having to listen to Preston's voice all day, every day. Um, <laughs> you know, I say that, I say that, you know, lightheartedly, but it is something that, that we take seriously as far as making the content that the entire family can truly enjoy. Um, and not just saying that as a catchphrase, but legitimately we want the moms and dads to sit down and watch this as much as we do, you know, the young kids or the, the older siblings or, um, anything like that. So I feel like as I feel like we've done a, a decent job of building our channels out to catch them as they grow through their, their YouTube journey, um, so to speak. And so that's where we're just about optimizing it from here on out. You know, to, to get close to the end here, but you know, you guys have built a, a pretty epic YouTube company empire thing. Two parts of this question is, can any creator do this? And the second part is, should they want to? Should they? Should they want to? Um, yeah. it's a good question. My gut instinct is like, yes, any creator can do this, assuming they have the right niche, because obviously you need to get a certain level of views and income to be able to, to build a company around you. It does need to be sustainable and profitable for the long run. Um, and should they is, I leave that up to the creators. There are the creators who, you know, they are either looking at it and they want to build this company and they want to do this, or there are creators who just want to create content for themselves. And so it's one of those things where, you know, if you want to create content just for yourself and you don't want the stress of having a team or having a business or doing all this, and you just want to post on YouTube, and make a little money, that's totally fine. Just know that there's going to be a ceiling there. And I don't think that's necessarily, I don't think that's a bad thing in the least bit. I think it's just knowing what you want and what your, what your goals are on the platform um, and then adjusting accordingly. Yeah. And then I guess the, the, the last part is, then what about people who can fill, uh, fill roles? Like it sounds like you're just filling it. But, but there's like, we talked about it offline the other day that like there's this epic opportunity for editors, strategists, production people to work on these teams and help grow them. Like mm -hmm. your, when you started, it was an unknown, right? Like that right. was kind of, oh, I didn't really like, I, you know, it's still a new thing, but it's becoming more of a thing. Like what's your, you know, your advice in, in that area? Should people be starting their own channels to get the skills or um, obviously listening to this podcast religiously is, is probably a, of course, the first of course. number one, number um, one. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, like, what, what, what do you think the future of this is for the, the sort of the teams that are building around that and, and the opportunities for creators and, and maybe where they can get involved, maybe not as the Preston, but as um, Trent or uh, your head of production or, or sure. whatever that might be. For people wanting to get in this space, it's definitely about sharpening your skills. Whether or not you start your own YouTube channel, I, if you want to be on camera and you're comfortable doing that, it's definitely a good practice and good reps. Um, even if you don't publish it, going through all the steps of titles and thumbnails and thinking through all of that, especially if you want to be a strategist or if you just want to be an editor, like watching and consuming content and attempting to recreate it um, as much as you can, um, being able to just absorb it. Same with thumbnails, like sharpen your skills, have, you know, the amount of people who applied to be, you know, thumbnail artists for us and have zero showings of any thumbnails in any of their portfolio, you know, it makes it very tough for us to weed them out, <laughs> so to speak, um, or to figure out who, who we need to, to bring on. So immediately, if you already have a portfolio of things that you have done, or even if you have examples of, hey, I've never edited for a YouTuber, but here is this video example that I made for 
for myself to, to practice. And it's in this style, even just showing that you're aware of it and kind of know it goes, you know, so far. And then let me think what else I would definitely say, just consuming good content. Like as long as you're aware, there's so many, there's so many free sources, including this podcast, of course, but there's so many other great creators, um, you know, that are doing it well, that focus on very specific things. Like I know, Oh, is his name Nathan Hillier? Is he the, the editing one? I think he's Logan Paul's Hayden, editor. Hayden Hillier Smith? Yeah. Hayden, Hayden, thank you. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Him Logan and then, Paul's you know. Editor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, he's really good. You know, yeah. Patty Galloway, and there are so many other people that are out there that make great content on the YouTube space and just taking everything they say in and trying to apply it and do as much of it as you can, whether it's for pay or not for pay, or it's just for yourself to, to get the reps in. Yeah, awesome. Hey, one last one to, to wrap it up. Um, crystal ball, where is this all going? Like, where's this creator generation of content creators? Where do you see it uh, happening in the next? Let's go 10 years because 10 years 10 is a years. long time in this Ooh. world. Yeah. Ooh, I don't know what's happening next month. Um, all right, let's go next month. You pick a day. <laughs> next month. <laughs> no, I'll, do, I'll do 10 years. I'll do 10 years. Um, I think what we're seeing right now is an arms race of big YouTubers and people building teams and trying to make this thing as legitimate as possible while still maintaining integrity to the YouTube platform. I think that I don't think YouTube's going anywhere. And I think, but I do think the people at the top of the game are going to be the ones that are essentially building their own production houses and their own companies and conglomerates of, you know, basically conglomerates that are built around creators and their brand. So in addition to just production and making content, it's also the like Beast Burger wasn't just a flash in a pan marketing stunt. Like they're growing an actual business and adding to it and they have a business plan for the next few years as far as as far as I know. And so it's, you know, they're building these things out to be legitimate businesses and it's all built around the creators. So it's about not only it's about building yourself up to get your brand out there so you can then build on top of it and take over the world essentially. So love it. Take over the world. Look out. Oh no, brilliant. Trent <laughs> Thanks so much for hanging out with us on Creative Generation. That's all we've got time for, but booyah. Love it. Creators <laughs> are coming. They're taking over the world. There Look you go. out. There you go. <laughs> Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Yeah, of course. Creative Generation. Look on the mic.